Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, man. Another really, really fun deadline day. Ton of stuff uh, to get to. We're going to do this actually in two parts. I think we'll save the Miami-Memphis until part two. But I think obviously where we have to start is, as I believe we did way back in the summer on that crazy July 1st with D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I guess that is the place to start. The the terms of the trade, the Golden State Warriors trade D'Angelo Russell, Omari Spellman, and Jacob Evans to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins. Minnesota's 2021 first round pick, if it is anywhere from 4 to 30, otherwise it is unprotected in 2022. And Minnesota's second round pick, in that same 2021 draft oh man well so actually a a place to kind of start with this for the the financials i think are actually really interesting i was just working on this about the athletic is that even though russell and wiggins were not signed in the same offseason because wiggins had an extension russell went all the way to free agency their contract terms are very similar and russell makes about four million less than wiggins after this season but that's close to damn enough for for the amount of money that these two are making so it is in some ways beyond the draft pick and everything else you know you can talk more about player quality this isn't as much about salaries though obviously the other players included in this helped get the Warriors below the tax yeah we can talk more about the financial consequences in a second here let's actually look at this first from Minnesota's standpoint I think a lot more people are focusing on the Warriors this team now in Minnesota basically all offense we've carped and carped and carped that they didn't have enough shooting around Carl Anthony Towns well D'Angelo Russell at the one Malik Beasley at the two ellipsis at the three Probably some combination of Culver and Okogi, even though that's small. Yeah, I mean, I guess Culver is the guy that they're seeing there. But I guess this means that, you know, Culver is their, they want to be the defensive guy. His questionable shooting isn't as much of a concern now because you've got really plus shooters if you're going to say Hernan Gomez is going to be your four, and maybe he won't be, but they've got other options to go with there as well now. Uh, James Johnson, who they got uh, folded into that Miami trade as well. I mean, it doesn't matter what they're going to do this year, obviously. I mean, they really, I'm sure, will be doing plenty of resting to try and preserve uh, their pick for this year because they're going to get another nice bite at the apple now, you would think, with how bad they've been. Um, and it's going to be very precarious as far as where they're going to land in the hierarchy with all these bad East teams. They seem destined for second worst team in the West. Um, and maybe even worse yeah. than the West, depending on when Steph Curry comes back and how competitive the Warriors are. So to me, what are you giving up here? I, I'm going to guess, you know, the 12th pick in the 2021 draft plus a second. I mean, to me, like Andrew Wiggins' contract was so bad, it might be worth that just to get off of him without even talking about getting D'Angelo Russell. That's part of what makes this trade so bizarre is that about a year ago, I can't remember exactly when we did the worst contracts in the NBA, and the discussion that you and I got into was Andrew Wiggins versus John Wall, who is hurt 
and has not played a game since that discussion about who is the worst contract in the league. I will say that Wiggins has been, to me, he has improved somewhat this year. Now, those improvements have been very modest and coming off of a, you know, he hasn't been a decent NBA player at all in his career. So you have that, but also like Russell is a complicated player in terms of whether he is a positive value contract either. Now, to me, he is a more positive value contract than Wiggins. Not that that is, you know, yeah, that, is, like that he, is the lowest of bars. But do you do you think yeah, in the R- abstract- Russell, I mean, certainly in terms of the value around the league, Russell had teams that actually were trying to trade for him and wanted him. Right. Like, and, and I think and that's, Wiggins, and that's a good way of thinking about yeah. value instead of tying it to our own interpretations is a player's value is what other teams think of them to an extent as well. Because if you want to get off them and you can, then they have value. And Russell also, because he could shoot and because he can run pick and roll, even though he, his athletic limitations are, are, are an issue, he is a, a player who would be of interest to a variety of teams. Not every team, because a lot of teams have point guard handled, but there, there are always teams that need him. That's just the way it works out, even if they're fewer. And I think another example of how D'Angelo Russell has value is that there were multiple teams, maybe just Minnesota and the Warriors, who were going after him in, in free agency, despite all the hoops that they would have to jump through and the Warriors did to get him. And supposedly the Knicks had some interest in Russell, but it can't have been much if this was the package that went back. I mean, they probably were offering like some of these Dallas picks or something. Um, So continuing with Minnesota here, they also maintain about the same optionality that they had before. They saved a little bit of money by swapping and this is interesting actually that they did not make a follow-up deal so they probably are just going to end up in the tax here i guess just the tax payment is going to be so small that it doesn't really matter ultimately and they're not forgoing much of a distribution because there's so few teams that are in the tax this year with the warriors getting out and portland really reducing their bill uh but if they wanted to move on from hernan gomez's cap hold if he doesn't work out there, they actually would have eh, still not that much. They're really looking at using the full mid-level exception uh, for next year, ultimately. Uh, but maybe that's where they get there for. And even if they held on to Hernan Gomez and Peasley, maybe they could still have enough room to use the full mid-level exception. Um and they also managed to hold on to that Brooklyn pick uh, that they got in the trade with Atlanta and Houston for Robert Covington. So I think maybe the Warriors... Perhaps they would have rather have done this trade for Robert Covington and Gorgie Jang. But Robert Covington, I mean, this is interesting, right? Like, did Robert Covington get more in trade than D'Angelo Russell did? I think you have to say he did. I would say so, especially considering Wiggins is a negative value contract to both of us and to, yeah. I would guess, the whole league. So yeah, Covington, even though, I mean, I guess that is a the pick, the pick that Minnesota received is more definite because I think we know it's going to be 15 or 16 in the coming draft. And I my instinct is that the pick Minnesota sends to Golden State will be superior to that, both in terms of draft quality and in terms of pick quality. That would be my bet. I don't think the Wolves are making, are making the playoffs next year. I could be wrong, but I don't expect it. And... But then you account for everything else. You account for yeah. the Andrew Wiggins of it. And and also yeah. remember that Minnesota, they did take back, you know, Spellman and, and, and Evans in this deal. But yeah, I, I would say that the the hall, let's call it, for, for Covington was higher than the hall for, for Russell. And Covington is on a friendlier contract. I mean, he's that 12 to 13 million for another couple of years. Like that is unambiguously a good contract. And he plays a position of more value around the league. So it's, it's not, it, it shouldn't be as much of a surprise as it is, but it still is. Yeah, I mean, obviously i would have thought that covington you and me would have thought that covington had more value than russell and there is more upside here for the warriors if like towns gets injured next year or something then you know that pick is gonna look pretty good and john gavoni was saying how 2021 is looking like a pretty good draft 
but I, I if we're just going to talk about it here now how good do you think the wolves are next year uh, with Rus- this group now with russell and towns assume they re-sign one of beasley and hernan gomez beasley seems more likely to me uh what do you see them as next year maybe they get you know one more kind of lower end starter with their mid-level i think the clarifying question here and and for me is so okay so you can think about it you you did this as an exercise for this upcoming season in terms of where teams could slot an offensive and defensive rating so for me the wolves top half offense maybe top 10 if things work out and guys stay healthy i mean right now they are 23rd but remember towns missed that bunch of time with the, all the questionables and they were missing a point guard for for an extended period of time after teague and, and all and also teague didn't play that well this year so let's say somewhere between 10 and 15 does that seem fair to you uh, on what on offensive rating oh i think they uh, certainly have the possibility of being a lot higher between i think they between, even between five and 15 i think so i mean a lot depends on russell and i mean russell is a very nice fit schematically with towns because russell is vulnerable to switching and now if he's running a pick and roll with carl anthony towns you really don't want to switch that because uh towns uh, has such good post-up ability he hopefully can actually like enter the ball into carl anthony towns in the post they can space the floor around just straight post-ups for towns which i mean watching that sacramento game the other day sacramento was just like every single time carl anthony towns tries to post up we're just going to double immediately in that first quarter and the wolves just like couldn't make them pay at all yeah okay uh, but yeah well so, so let me so, finish so, so okay go ahead so uh, you know i think you don't know like russell hasn't really proven able to drive efficient offense in his career if he's the number two guy does that change i mean the warriors really weren't any better offensively with him on the floor this year despite his crazy individual stats and pretty good efficiency uh can russell get to the basket a little bit more now with town spacing around him and some of these other guys i think they'll be a top 10 offense i feel pretty good about that but i also feel pretty damn sure there could be a bottom 10 well, defense. and that's exactly where i was going so probably thinking in the 112 113 range based on this year as, as a proxy and maybe the league keeps changing 113 defensive rating would ha- would actually be in some ways better than i would expect given their personnel depending on how rosas fills out the roster i mean their planned starting five or or what we're kind of projecting it out as has well even let's go let's extend it to their full rotation maybe two positive defensive players in it maybe three and most of those guys aren't going to start like that's it's it's kind of shocking it's not as extreme as the washington wizards this year where we basically they they like didn't have any good defensive players shock of shocks the wizards are 30th in defense this year but maybe more in the realm of like the atlanta hawks or the the warriors incidentally maybe this year i mean they depend draymond is is a better defensive player than anybody that's going to be on on the wolves next year and covington is also better than that but so let's say they're around fifth from the bottom of the league that would mean they're probably below water and i think the top of the west i think the western conference playoff picture is going to be pretty strong next year i think that you know the way things are shaping up their injuries could change it but i I think that like a 500 team isn't going to make the playoffs in the west and i don't think the wolves are going to be a 500 team yeah i mean i think they'll be right around there maybe towns tries harder maybe they get something more at backup center they they, trading away jang for James Johnson, I guess probably about a lateral move. Jang had actually had some moments when Towns uh, was injured. So let's take a break here and then we'll get to... Uh, but I, I mean, I, I like this for the Wolves. I didn't think they have a great path. I still don't. But maybe if Russell really comes into his own, this could be like really an elite offense and maybe they can be in the lower end of the playoff picture again. I don't foresee that, but I still like it better than where they were with Wiggins. And now they also like Culver and Wiggins were a really bad fit together because neither is a great shooter. Now they can kind of play Culver, let him be their secondary ball handler, 
out of pick and rolls they'll have enough space around him so i like this is a good move i think for the wolves it's it's worth it to me um now if they're terrible next year then maybe we'll feel differently but to get off of wiggins i think is pretty huge here let's take a break then we'll get to uh the warrior side of this Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress and under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us 
So we talked about this extensively in the last episode. And the way that I framed it for Golden State is if you traded for Wiggins and whatever draft capital from the Wolves, we didn't know what it would be at the time. Does that put you in better position to trade for a star than just holding on to Russell? My conclusion, as I believe yours was, was no. And I think that this pick, you know, it sounded like the impasse earlier was Minnesota wouldn't give up their unprotected 2020. I think you and I were even a little skeptical that that was enough. Now it seems like the way they got to this deal was to go to 2021 and make that the pick. But I I still, I, I think they are in a worse position to trade for a star now than they were before making this move. Although there certainly are other factors involved here as well. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is an even stronger heat check by the Warriors front office than acquiring Russell in the first place, because there was a clearer path to Russell being a positive player, maybe not for the Warriors specifically, but for a team than there has been for Wiggins, because Wiggins hasn't done it at all, like really for other than a few like six to 10 game stretches. He hasn't really done that period. And he is paid like a player who who obviously does far more than that. And w- Wiggins doesn't have the, the... He obviously had the hype. He was the number one number one pick, was traded for Kevin Love, everything else. But I, I think that the the idea that Wiggins will, you know, that he'll raise his stock by being a, a useful supporting player on the Warriors is there, but it seems more fate to me than the idea that Russell would hold his value. Yeah, I agree with you there because he doesn't really space the floor. He is better defensively than Russell. I think we can say that. I mean, just from things that I've... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Hooray. He's better than D'Angelo Russell on defense. Sorry, didn't mean to sidetrack you there. Yeah. Well, I I think we're putting the cart before the horse here just a little bit because the asset play just in and of itself before we think of the implications of it but again i think the warriors lost on this one because that wiggins contract was so toxic um now if you want to talk about maybe and we think they're in a worse position to trade for a star maybe you can say that they're in a better position to trade for more supporting pieces now to have gotten this separate asset that can be divided away from Wiggins so let's say they had a player that they're targeting you know a Josh Richardson type of guy with that Andre Guadalla trade exception this summer and so they wanted to they can now attach this Minnesota pick to get that player and just take on salary into that exception whereas before you would have had to move Russell and now and then you just hold on to Wiggins so maybe that's a scenario in which this could work out better for them where you're trying to pick up multiple role players or maybe they just want to use their own pick for this year on like a James Wiseman at center or or or, or they do it the other way they use their own pick in the Iguodala move and then they keep the they keep the Wolves pick to see where it goes and move that later yeah no so so they do they have a little more optionality maybe you could say with this and but yeah i mean that weakens contract is quite toxic the other aspect that i think is played a pretty large role here is that they got out of the tax for this year they have nine players under contract now it basically is going to cost another 600k for a rest of season contract and so as long as they stagger to where that 13th or or that 14th roster spot they only use that every two weeks or so they are going to be able to stay out of the tax and then that will mean that next year they will not be in the repeater tax which basically adds another dollar to each gradation of the tax so instead of a dollar 50 for the first five million it's 250 
then it's 275 instead of 175 350 instead of 250 425 instead of 325 etc i haven't done the math on this yet hollinger thought that if they get really expensive and use that equal trade exception it could cost them as much as 50 dollars in in tax payments yeah I, I in my piece i ran a hedge saying basically it depends on what it's going to be but yeah it, it does um but to me you you brought up the the obligations and and the different ways that like the, the pieces that they got back this boils down to another just fascinating set of decisions that Bob Myers and the front office have made, which is thinking about if Kevin Durant left and they had just done nothing. I mean, part it seemed like part of what they the goal with D'Angelo Russell acquiring him instead of just letting letting Kevin Durant leave was to create this potential asset for moving forward. And yes, it is true that now they have an extra first round pick that they didn't have before. However, remember what the Warriors sacrificed at the beginning of free agency last year not only did they give up the first which is becoming a second to the Brooklyn Nets that's becoming their 2025 yeah. well, second and, round pick and which they didn't know what like most yeah. people would have said it that was going to convey at the time I mean Steph Curry wasn't hurt there were there was optimism the Warriors could still be good they we did know Clay was out and we obviously knew KD was out they also remember traded their 2024 lightly protected first round pick to the Memphis Grizzlies we don't know you know it's very possible that pick ends up being less less good for Memphis than the Minnesota pick they acquired in the D'Angelo Russell thing. And But remember, they also traded away Andre Iguodala, somebody who now, because of another move that happened, they are not going to be able to re-sign this summer. But also, they were subject to the hard cap. And so that meant the Warriors couldn't use their full mid-level exception. It means that they were just hamstrung by all these other moves. And so if, if the Warriors had just done nothing, I think they would be in a materially better place than they are right now because now they have Andrew Wiggins' contract that is, even if it's more just expenses for ownership than anything else, his contract is big enough and we just saw that that the Warriors, that Lakeup and Goober are subject to the financial gravity that befalls the NBA. So that, you know, they could have been under the, under the tax, under the hard cap that way too. And so it is amazing to do all of this sound and fury, which ends up not signifying that much, but is still probably a meaningful net negative overall. Yeah, I'm still not ready to say that for sure. I mean, we've got to still see where they are with the Iguodala trade exception and with what they can trade for this summer and where their pick comes in. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it really, now if there's any team that could handle Wiggins, like there's not at least a ton of opportunity cost for him in terms of this money. And, you know, as we get later on in this, he, he could be traded again. He's also... I mean, he is averaging 23 points a game or whatever it is. He's taken a step forward in terms of his efficiency. The hope now on the floor is that he can kind of become a Harrison Barnes-S player. But one problem there is that he can't really play the four the way Barnes could in a small lineup, right? Like they're, he can't guard the other team's four. He's just not tough enough. He's not strong enough. Perhaps getting into the Warriors system, being traded, can get him to be more than he was on a real winning team but he's been on winning teams before he's been under Tom Thibodeau he's had the tough love of Sam Mitchell and Tom Thibodeau he's had the cajoling of Ryan Saunders Seeker is a little bit more in that second camp but maybe a little bit more of a of a traditional coach than some people appreciate Draymond Green is not in the second camp <laughs> yeah so and he's not the spot-up shooter that Barnes was. Uh, and also, let's not forget that all Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green are a lot older and more injured and all that. I mean, it's, I think they're going to be good again next year. But So, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not putting much thought in the idea that he can really be rehabbed and be part of it. He'll at least soak up some possessions for them for this year. I mean, that's, that's one hilarious part of this, that... 
I mean, presumably Marquise Chris and Kai Bowman are going to get converted, but they're still just going to have these two roster spots now that need to be used. Um, and, and let's we can turn now to the other move they made, which was three second rounders to give up GR3 and Alec Burks, who both were playing reasonably well this year, to the Sixers. Those picks, though, if you want to give the terms, are uh, not too great. They are not. You and I define quality second round picks as being within the top 15 of the second round, so basically non-playoff teams. And the picks are Dallas's 2020. They're making the playoffs this year. We know that already. Denver's 2021. Fair to assume to expect that. Not a guarantee for any team. And then Toronto in 2022. A well-run team. Have have Even though Toronto will have a lot of uncertainty, I would be very surprised if they weren't a playoff caliber team at that juncture. They already have Pascal Siakam lined up, for example. So the, to me, those are all weak seconds. And not all second round picks are created equally. And I and volume does not make up for quality in the second round case because you can buy mediocre like these weak seconds. It happens every year. You know, I think Mia Oni was brought to the Jazz by purchasing a second round pick with just cash. You know, with with the cash that is available each sure. year. And so if it, it looks better on the page than it will on the court. And I think it was a, a poor a poor use of of resources. Um, because if you know. It, I, Robinson is maybe a little more complicated than than Burks because there seemed like there was a possibility that he was very happy and that when you trade a player who, yes, the Warriors have the same capacity to re-sign him now, basically as they would have with non-bird rights as a minimum contract next year, but he's in a different team on a, on a in a winning situation and looking around the league in a different way, he'll play in the playoff or at least be on a team in the playoffs. And that, that may, makes it more likely that he ends up somewhere else. And also, if this is if this is the best that you can do, well, I mean, I, I, that it's possible, but it feels unlikely because these are just awful seconds. Yeah, well, unless they had found a taker for Jordan Poole instead of GR3, they wouldn't have been able to get out of the tax without just dumping him and or or moving on from Kavon Looney, who I think they value more than GR3, at least because he's under contract. He's been playing a little better since he's come back. I mean, I to me, if the tax weren't an issue, yeah, hold on to Robinson then. I mean, I'd probably rather, these picks are so bad that I'd probably rather just have Robinson and not have any of the picks just to keep him in the system and hopefully bring him around last year. I think he's his value around the league obviously was not very high if this was the best that they could get for him. But I think that he has played pretty well this year. I think he's been a passable option guarding good wings on the other teams. And he's made his three-pointers. Now, was that going to regress? He probably was not going to keep being a 40% three-point shooter. But he was shooting with enough volume. Already had a career high in makes. He can finish around the rim on the fast break. Not a great decision maker, but you know I think he could have been a passable option on the wing for this team if they could have gotten him to resign. And also worth noting, Danny, if his value around the league was this low, then they probably could have re-signed him for a pretty cheap price. Exactly. Maybe even the non-bird 120% of the minimum. Yeah. Uh, maybe they could have done a one plus one there for that amount and then said, hey, well, if you decline your player option, you're playing well, then we'll have early bird rights on you. We could give you a little more after that. So yeah, I think not keeping him in the program. I mean, maybe they do bring him back. Everyone loves to talk about that, but like how often does that really happen? Um, Burks, yeah, go ahead. Trade him for whatever's uh, anything uh, that you can get back. Uh, I mean, and, and from Philly's perspective, I thought they did a great job. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Philly has this trove of second round picks and they could have yeah. used some of them to acquire players at the deadline, which they ended up not doing in any other deal, but basically filling two roster spots with two capable players, one of which they cleared by this, and they cleared those roster spots by trading James Ennis to the Orlando Magic and then by cutting Trey Burke. I like these two better than the two guys that they, that they lost. 
So getting that for a pretty tepid, minimal cost is is great work by Elton Brand. And it is, you know, it'd be nice if they they could get players who were under some sort of team control beyond next year, but that's really hard to do. And considering they were willing to give up on James Ennis, Ennis did have a player option for next year, and they maybe weren't happy about that. So I I, I really like this from Philadelphia's perspective. It's not perfect, and I, I wish they'd been a little bit more ambitious, but this move is meaningfully better than not making it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and Burks gave them a nice fallback. It seems like the price on Derrick Rose was just too high and that Bogdan Bogdanovich was not available from the Kings, as we'll get to. So, yeah, I think Philly, uh, James Ennis, they moved him. We can talk about that quickly to Orlando, basically to open up a roster spot. Philly just has to, has to wave one more guy still. And that's Trey Burke. Oh, they, that, that came out? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, I think GR3 could easily be a better option than Mike Scott and James Ennis were. And I think that Burks can basically kind of play as their backup point guard now. He gives them more size as well so they can keep things going there. I mean, I think the problem in the playoffs was that Trey Burke or Hul Neto was just going to get destroyed because they're too small. So now Burks takes that away provide some pick and roll ability some mid-range jump shot shooting ability maybe he would even get some offensive possessions late in games if he really has it going he's taken more threes I mean, Kevin Pelton noted this that in his warp statistic he's third in the league among players who are eligible for the six-man award that's pretty good um so yeah I think uh this was a good piece of business for Philly for picks that essentially were they probably would have never even used I mean they got they just got these guys for free essentially now, part of, part of the reason these picks were so superfluous is because they have all these other ones from back in the Hinky era, but they have so many that, you know, realistically, were you even going to make these picks? Are you going to stash some guy overseas who's never going to come over or something like that? So uh, I think they did a good job here with Philly and disappointing return for Golden State. I think they would have, maybe they just didn't think that the Russell trade was going to happen. They didn't have a way to move off of Jordan Poole or didn't want to or Spellman they would have had to move off of Evan Spellman and Poole if they had held on to GR3 to get out of the tax and getting out of the tax is pretty important I mean 50 million dollars in cash I mean it probably wouldn't have ended up being that much because they just you know wouldn't have spent that much in terms of the tax but it still is going to save them very significant amount for next season and you know maybe they feel like there are other GR3s out there but this was a somewhat anti-competitive move to save money here to me for the Warriors even if and we'll see if it opens up a ton more spending power for them next year than it, than it would have then maybe it's worth it but uh yeah that's what happened here you got to be honest about it even if you're just talking about the possibility that GR3 would have resigned we don't know if that's certain but it seemed like he was really happy he even had a quote with Anthony Slater about how he was gonna would consider even taking less because he was so much happier in Golden State this year than last year in Detroit when he was making almost double what he was making this year all right another quick break here that was a solid like 30 minutes just on that trade but it was huge it, it had to talk about it and I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about what players Golden State could be targeting with that Minnesota pick when we get into their uh, off-season preview. We've got a, a long way to go here. All right. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets. From there as well, I felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, 
you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Where do you want to go next here, Danny? We got a lot to get to still. Let's go to two major markets, and they're the, the Marcus Morris deal, I think, is, is the next place to go. The LA Clippers get Marcus Morris, and the Knicks get the Clippers 2020 first-round pick. They get my favorite swap rights maybe ever. The rights for the Knicks to swap their first-round pick with the Clippers' first-round pick next year. If the Se- Knicks somehow... Second-rounder, right? No, first-round pick. They have first-round... First round oh, oh, wow, okay. I didn't see that. They, they have pick rights. Now, the chances of the Knicks having a better... Having a worse, a worse draft pick than the Clippers seem infinitesimal. But, so, you know, think of that. And they also... The Knicks also get the Detroit 2021 20, second, which was a big part of the mock deadline podcast. I was the Clippers there and used that to get Iguodala. And then um, they also get the rights to... Yusuf Sanon, and the reason why that matters is because another component of this trade was the Wizards sending those rights to the Knicks as a touching requirement, but also the Clippers sending Jerome Robinson to the Wizards, and then the Wizards sending Isaiah Thomas to the Clippers, who they are going to cut to clear roster spot. Yeah, in a related move, they also sent Derek Walton along with Cash to Atlanta for a funny money second rounder, top 55 protected. And the reason they did that was to open up some more room below the tax. And Walton might actually get some chances in Atlanta as a backup point guard. He's shown a little bit uh, in the very limited amount of time he's been able to play with the Clippers this year. So I think Morris fits in extremely well. He's going to start at the four, you would imagine. For the Clippers, he gives them more reliable shooting than they had at that spot with Mo Harkless, who of course is in the deal. And Jermichael Green maybe even gives you more chances to go to a lineup with Green at center and do more more switching if you wanted to. The one worry about Morris is that he's been a pretty high usage rate guy, that he could take a few possessions out of the hands of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, all of whom I think are superior offensive options to him. But he can guard LeBron James. I think that's a, he's probably a little bit better at that. Maybe even can guard Anthony Davis as well. He's a strong, tough guy, even though he's not a great help defender. So you add that in, he's got experience going against LeBron in the playoffs for the Celtics and and the Pistons for that matter so and you keep him away from the Lakers although really it sounds like the Lakers weren't willing to include Kuzma and so they had no way of getting him 
anyway seemed like the Clippers were basically bidding against the Knicks internal leverage because there did not appear to be another team that was in on Morris uh, to any kind of a level with assets uh, at least not that we've heard about yet so but this is a good pickup for them that 2020 first was the main asset it was burning a hole in their pocket I do think they'll miss Harkless to a degree I'm also surprised that Harkless wasn't able to be rerouted by the Knicks um but I think the the Knicks did reasonably well here, especially considering that they just hired a <laughs> new president of basketball operations from the agent ranks, uh, Leon Rose, as we'll get to. Um, but anything else you want to say about Morris's fit here on the Clippers? They can re-sign him after this year too. Yeah, I guess. yeah, that's actually so. With not so usually non-bird rights are not particularly valuable because you can only give the guy a 20% raise. So for these lower contract guys we just talked about with GR3, it's not that valuable. Marcus Morris makes $15 million, so that could actually be enough to sign him. It depends on what Morris wants in a role, what the Clippers see from him this year. But it opens the door for that as a possibility. And while it makes sense for the Clippers to be below the tax line this year because they were so close, I assume they're going to blow past the tax line next year. And Morris gives them another option. No, Using... That first, which was the best arrow in their in their quiver, assuming Landry Shamit was unavailable. I think it's good that they kept him around for a for a wing instead of a big is a decision. I, I I generally support it just because wings are so much harder to find, and there wasn't that killer center that was probably available for that kind of a price. I you know I I still think somebody like Miles Turner would have been compelling, but I don't think he was available for that kind of an option. And Morris gives them another another capable player, whether it's regular season or playoffs. And uh, Seth Parno brought up in a in a collaborative piece for The Athletic actually about the GR3 Burks trade, the value of innings eaters. And that's a baseball thing about basically players who can, they aren't necessarily like high value all the time, but part of their value is that you reduce the strain on other valuable pieces. And so giving Morris, whether it's minutes during the regular season or some of those defensive responsibilities in certain players, off moments makes life easier defensively on Paul George and on Kawhi and I think there is value to that and he you know he as long as they can Doc can get him to buy in on just being a, a smaller part in the bigger machine and that isn't going to be a perfect fit I mean Marcus Boris was on the Celtics last year and there were times that that worked and times that it didn't but I, I do like his fit overall I think that the Clippers can run some really interesting lineups out there now I also think that given the construction of the Western Conference right now having Marcus Morris you know to defend the, the Lakers most obviously but also theoretically a finals series against the Bucks I, I would say that presents a bigger need than the than center though you're you some ways are playing against the teams that are there right now you never know who the next great team is going to be but I think that's the, the calculus on that seems pretty solid to me yeah and maybe Tristan Thompson could end up there in a buyout it seems uh, inevitable now with the Drummond trade uh, as we'll get to another nice piece of business for the Clips on this one they got off of Jerome Robinson's guarantee for next year as well if they're going to try and save a little money below the tax you're going to re-sign Morris so uh, give a maybe you give them enough wiggle room to still use their full mid level which could be very powerful next year so that that's huge to me as well he was making what three million next year so uh and he's been atrocious for them i mean i guess the whiz are just taking a flyer on him because th- they weren't going to have any space next year anyway um did they get anything for taking him on i i this was one that came in like right as we were starting recording so it's the one thing we maybe i'm not like quite as ironclad on for taking who on for taking on jerome robinson no i don't think so i didn't i didn't see it, it, it I didn't see it. I'll put it that way, but I I would expect that I would have had it had it gone. Yeah, yeah. The two the two wizards components that and then the uh, the Napier McC- 
Ray trade were both kind of in the middle of everything else that was happening and both lower lower on the totem pole, let's say. Actually, so higher the Knicks, on the totem pole. Anyway. Yeah, so the Knicks apparently are going to hire Leon Rose from CAA, very powerful agency. Very powerful in the Knicks organization at times in the past as well. Yeah, that's right. So I don't really know anything about Rose personally. He certainly doesn't have executive experience. I think part of this is, you know, they hired this consultant, Steve Stout, who supposedly has been in Dolan's ear now. Uh, This seems like a lot of this is about just rebranding to get star for agents to want to go there uh they also hired uh william wesley who's gonna be an official role in the in the organization worldwide west I hadn't heard his name as much in recent years but was considered one of the most powerful guys in the nba henry abbott wrote about him 10 years ago or so maybe even more than that so whatever rose's basketball acumen i think i don't know how involved he was in these discussions james only said that they're still looking for a new president in theory but everyone has reported that rose is going to be the guy so i would assume that he's in there now but certainly this was not exactly a thorough interview process for the knicks they never do one of those really they don't really have a competent person who could tell you who's doing a good interview and who isn't now i will give dolan credit that with steve mills being like i'm gonna hold on to marcus morris he apparently said no we need to trade away morris and he was absolutely right about that if that was the case uh when he fired mills but if rose can actually be part of getting players to come to new york and part of that is like the rebranding or whatever i mean the bigger part of that is oh hey you might actually be able to win here because we're good that would help a lot more but then it's going to be worth it right if they get in the mix for these star free agents but overall this is a guy he's not having an apprenticeship the way that bob myers did he's not even being brought in the way rob palinka was underneath another president not that that president magic johnson was qualified and there have certainly been other agents who have not been that great like lon babby in phoenix was terrible so i think this is kind of a it's a guy who's very respected and i'm sure he's gonna make a lot of money but i think i'm until we see more doubt on this hire because there's just little indication that he, he has a successful track record as an executive and i think such people would ultimately have been available if they decided to go in that direction and that's exactly where my focus was on this is that just paralleling the lakers who have a major market and prestige is a franchise that might not be totally justified when when the lakers got Polenka rather than than now obviously they're the best team in the west right now um and they have the resources theoretically to not only spend on a front office but also to spend on players that if you could avoid some of the pitfalls those are more prevalent for dolan than the buses at this point thankfully for the lakers but they should be able to woo high-level executives, people who have track records, who have done a good job and maybe are looking for a different type of opportunity. And especially when you consider that the Knicks are going to have at least one, they're going to have a strong draft pick this year, and I think they're they're going to suck again next year, so they'll probably have a strong draft pick again next year, that you could get somebody. And if Dolan was willing to not be the same Dolan for, for at least a little while. And Those teams, just like how I complained about how the last CBA, not the current one, the last one was very, very favorable for major markets and none of them took advantage of it. The structures in place are still very favorable to major markets. And this is another one of those reminders that you still have to actually do the right things. And hopefully for the Knicks, hopefully for the NBA where he ends up being the right person. But there are a group of people who who we already know are good general managers who probably would have been interested in this job or could have been or should have been or whatever. One last thing I'll be watching is how much is Rose going to be allowed to bring in his own people? We've seen all these people get hired have not been able to do that. So if he just gets brought in and they, you know, it's still Scott Perry underneath him, like does he have some kind of a working relationship? Like so, 
Um, I do think overall, though, especially because there weren't really reports that anyone other than the Lakers, who, while they have a incentive to say that they didn't put Kuzma in the deal, and that seems to have come mostly from LA sources, so uh, or LA-based reporters, so you're guessing that's coming from the Lakers side. You know, they could have very easily have been they offered Kuzma and the Knicks liked the Clippers package better, and so then they want to say, no, we never offered Kuzma. You know, that, that could be the way it worked here. But for, assuming that that is correct, that Kuzma was never offered, the Knicks did really well here to get, I mean, those swap rights would be worthless, but to get a, a pretty good looking second and this first from the Clippers, I mean, that first, I'm guessing, is most likely to be like 28th overall. Uh, maybe depending on where Toronto is, maybe 27th. I, I'm projecting the Clippers to be the number two seed in the West now. Um, I think that's a pretty good return for Morris. And, and it was noted that the Knicks is one of the few teams to have cap space. I mean, I wouldn't recommend this, but they could always try to just sign Morris to the same contract that he would have gotten if they'd kept him around this summer anyway. Yeah, they don't they don't need non-bird rights for him because they could have the cap space. I, I wish that they had been able to do something as you did with Harkless just because he really doesn't provide much value to the Knicks this year and he yeah. could have helped another team. I always... I always get a little bit sad when those types of players just end up there. Maybe maybe Harkless gets bought out and ends up somewhere else entirely. You, you would imagine so at this point. Like, yeah. But like, so for example, uh, on that score, Dallas, they were supposedly had a top target of Rondé Hollis Jefferson and weren't able to pry him away. I'm doubting that they put that Golden State second on the table. And I probably wouldn't do that Golden State second. Ah, uh, maybe I'd think about it to maybe get the bird rights on Harkless although Dallas's 2021 plan you know how much are you going to be able to offer Harkless in a new contract but you would think that if New York is just holding on to him that Courtney Lee and just you know so almost anything just not tied down could have been enough to take Harkless maybe just because it got done too late or something um but another target would have been like Marvin Williams not moving at all like I think to not use Courtney Lee and just you would have thought that either the Knicks with Harkless or you're, you're starting to get into yeah. my when we talk about the losers of the deadline. The, the deadline. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Okay. I didn't, yeah. didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, there, it's but. okay. We're, we're, that's probably going to be at the end of the next podcast. So I think we 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 it's totally fine to do that. Something else I want to mention in this specific circumstance, I think that that Morris is a is a better fit. But the margin between Morris and Harkless is not that is not that large to me. You know, I think Harkless is under is underrated and Morris is overrated to an extent. But it is true that the and a lot of this relates to physical strength that Morris provides, given the specifics of where the Clippers are. I think are valuable. So this is a lot to give up for that. Now that difference doesn't matter to the Knicks because they suck and they're they're not competitive. So that, that it, from their perspective, but that. Does make it you could say theoretically a better piece of business for them so yeah i like this from the knicks perspective and it is another reminder we've we've harped on this a couple times but it's worth repeating of sometimes these overpays or significant contracts to veterans can end up working out for the team even if it doesn't in the wins and losses i mean this, the parallel is of course trevor reza and yeah reza produced kelly Oubre, who did not move at the trade deadline but is an important part of the sun's present and, and probably future though he's only signed through the end of next season and here marcus morris they paid him 15 million the knicks are tire fire he couldn't save them this year but it got them a first those weird swap rights a solid second and that's that's pretty damn good i mean effectively they they it's a weird way to buy a first round pick but in a way it worked yeah now 
the other thing that you can point to though is that they also did the same thing with Taj Gibson and Reggie Bullock and Wayne Ellington yeah and Alfred Payton and Bobby Portis and so they vaporized you know 50 million in cap space on all those guys and they're getting nothing out of that well and remember that the Clippers got a first for taking on Harkless in the first place exactly so I I do think that Morris for going back to the Clippers and you mentioned that those players the the difference between them is smaller than his belief but I think in the playoffs it's larger because Harkless we've seen year after year doesn't get guarded when he's in the corner and Marcus Morris is going to get guarded shooting he's not going to keep shooting 44 percent from three probably but he definitely is uh really solid there let's see here is it time to take this to a part two how we let's let's do one more here let's uh let's do uh, let's talk about atlanta um they obviously were already involved in that capella trade now they are going to take back Dwayne dedman who they really made into uh, a solid stretch option dedman making 13 million this year about that next year and then has 1 million guaranteed the year after that they send back jabari parker who's making 6.5 this year has a 6.5 million player option for next year that uh, i could probably see him picking up you know if you if you want to project it uh and then also alex line who makes 4 million this year to sacramento and atlantic gets two second round picks pretty crappy one so a second round another team that has a bunch of seconds but not as good as philly has it's houston's 2020 and miami's 2021 miami's looking pretty good for 2021 so both those picks are probably gonna be in the 50s uh atlanta the biggest consequence here is they take another hit with the deadman trade to reduce their space by another seven million or so for next year but they still have 47 million i regret by the way i had this calculating era error that had roster slots wrong so remember we argued that one time about atlanta how much space they would have and you were correct because my sheet in just like a total weird era error i can't even say error i'm i'm so distraught uh this is like the biggest nightmare ever for a a cat person was putting in these roster charges that were like seven million more for next year than they're supposed to be so Atlanta, still plenty of room, $47 million to do what they want to next season. And so you're basically, you're picking up Deadman on, you know, a $7 million a year contract for next year. If you want to say he's a credible backup center, those guys have been getting paid about $5 million the last couple of years. So think of it as you're paying $2 million to get these two seconds. And Deadman has been a good vet for them. He's fit well in the locker room. Trey Young probably be happy to have him back. So I like this for Atlanta. I like it a lot more for Sacramento than for Atlanta because that seven million doesn't really you know dead doesn't really mean that much. Deadman in theory, I still I still like the theory of it with Sacramento that he could pair with Bagley the way that he did with John Collins. It didn't work out, and because of the the way this works under human with with human emotions, they they didn't have the time to really wait it out. And that that seven million is is a lot of money, and they can you know even if they just the Kings just cut Jabari Parker at some point between now and next season then they still save a bunch when we'll see we'll see what happens there and for for by by the way real quickly here as an aside we said the parker signing was like the most inexplicable like he just didn't wasn't a fit in atlanta signing him to a player option was madness it didn't seem like there's anybody else competing for him and they basically traded him as dead salary here so well and and remember i trashed the hawks for giving alex lennon option two years ago (laughs) And then that option, they ended up basically dumping as well. Yeah, I mean, Len wasn't terrible last year. Like, that sure. actually looked yeah, like that he were, might Yeah, that looked better he, than my criticism, to be sure. His, uh, his self-professed chase for being an Eastern Conference All-Star to uh, Chris Kirchner of The Athletic 
kind of got derailed a little bit. Uh, yeah, and it would have been so awkward for him to get traded right before the All Star break. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. the yeah, but but back to Sacramento. Here. But back to Sacramento. Parker is overlapping to a ridiculous degree with with the Kings as well. They just have so many of these forwards that don't really make that much sense on their team, especially if Vlade sees Bagley as a four. That that remains to be seen at least a little bit now with Deadman out of the out of the rotation. But Rashawn Holmes, you know, that before he got hurt, that was the intention. It seemed like the intention there was to play those two guys together. I I'm less I think part of the reason why I'm less enthusiastic about this from the Hawks perspective is that there is an um, an opportunity cost here because they were a team with cap space. Like they could have basically just made this move next year if they wanted to. I mean, Deadman was going to be available. Even if Deadman got traded to somebody else, he would have been available this summer. And now they, they lost some of this space and they're not getting it back. So it's it's not catastrophic or anything like that. Just like giving Jabari Parker a player option wasn't, even though it was a mistake. But it all counts. And they now that seven million, they can't use it in an imbalanced trade. They can't use it to pay to pay somebody who can help make their team better. And also remember that Deadman. This might be an indicator that they're going to be very patient with Clint Capella and, and the issue that we talked about on the last podcast. But yeah, th- that being his injury issue with the, with uh, the player, the player fasciitis. And so it might be an indicator of that. But also, if the intention is that. Deadman is a backup center minutes that maybe could have gone to John Collins and then a gap filler when Capella gets hurt you know that that considering the replacement value at that position you you, you talked about five million being that and maybe for a like a more capable backup center but I mean we're seeing decent players get the minimum as well and so it's I, I I'm less enthusiastic about it from the Hawks perspective this is not like the worst move they've made in the last seven months or anything like that but I also think it's a, a weird use of resources and we'll talk about that more in part two but they're not the only team in 2020 that that's saw that saw the having a lot of cap space as just being worthless basically like and that was shocking to me and that's something i want to talk about in part two well they still have 47 million left right so i mean i I think that's fair to say that it's not going to hamstring them too much compared to uh, like what memphis did as we'll talk about it in the next episode but to me you can rehab deadman i still think that if he's working out he has a unique skill set. We've talked about this so much of players who can protect the rim and shoot the three ball. And he's got even some finishing ability around the basket as well, though his athleticism is winning a little bit. I'm not willing to just say that he's like terrible now all of a sudden because of this weird start that he had in Sacramento and losing his starting position and then not playing. He looked a little more spry lately, like in that Minnesota game, for example. So I think I'm fine with it. They needed a backup center for next year anyway. I'm fine paying $7 million for someone like Devin, especially because, I mean, the whole reason that Sacramento got him was to fit with this hybrid 4-5 Bagley. Now Deadman can play a little bit with Collins again, the way he did in past years. And I think they could rehab him. I think he can be a lot better. They don't have to play. Capella's struggled to play a lot of minutes as well. Do you need to have a center on the floor, like a traditional rim-protecting center, if you're going to play Trey Young and Kevin Herter together? So I think this is fine for the Hawks. The Kings... I think it's fine for them too, honestly. Now, uh, Deadman, you know, once you just assume Deadman wasn't going to be in their plans, it seems like they're focusing on Holmes to save that $7 million for next year. The whole point of that is bringing back Bogdan Bogdanovich. And now they will have about $30 million or so below the tax. And they can also bring back Nemanja Bialica, who's not guaranteed for next year, but they probably want to keep her on. Uh, and so that's going to be plenty to re-sign Bogdanovich, who is now starting. They've been better since he's been starting. Buddy Heald is coming off the bench. And, you know, the, the Kings definitely have some stuff to sort out here. But it was clear that the whole point of this is Bogdanovich, James Ham reporting 
through a source you're not allowed to say straight up we are going to match any offer we're going to re-sign him when it's a restricted free agent but he got that through a source that they plan to re-sign him and they plan to match any reasonable offer and so you know hard to see that there's an offer sheet out there for Bogdanovich now that the Kings wouldn't match so you have to imagine that he'll be back and they may even be able to squeeze him a little bit and get him on a value deal so all that is good the long-term plan though looks kind of fucked though in Sacramento I mean the whole reason you got Tedman and yeah I get it he wasn't working out but the whole reason to get him was that he could play next to Bagley in that same role that we were talking about spacing the floor on, on one end and protecting the room on the other and so now Rashawn Holmes and Bagley those guys don't fit together like it's just not gonna work and Holmes has been better than Bagley Bagley has had a loss here due to injury maybe Bagley has just shown so little that you just have to say hey you know what like we're not building around Marvin Bagley anymore if he figures it out and he gets to be that good we can solve that problem when we come to it but we got to just kind of have our team here and build the best team we can going forward but when you really look at the long term they've kind of got you know De'Aaron Fox and Bogdanovich and Heald who is taking a step back this year and you know maybe Bagley could be okay you know Barn and some starters and like all right you know welcome to 35 wins for the foreseeable future even if Fox becomes a superstar you're probably in like the 40s at best so they're really you know doesn't seem to be that much of a plan here and the hope was that you know this Deadman Bagley thing was really going to work out and that's how they were going to unlock Bagley and you know that has been a complete disaster and so there's just there isn't really a long-term plan now in Sacramento other than uh use their draft pick this year and see who you got yeah does not appear to be one okay let, we're gonna do part two here we're gonna start that off with Miami Memphis got some takes on this one so uh please rejoin us it'll be out pretty much at the same time as this one so it should be right there for you to listen to it at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 